Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities. Although one of us doesn't have quite that many years of experience, but don't let me interrupt you. Please go ahead. No. Well, I can't stop you. Uh, we are uh, between 20 to 25-year uh, Wall Street professionals who've taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to bring you our candid views each week on a handful of stocks in Value Line's weekly investment survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unvarnished views on the air, so we disguise our voices, and they'll never know. Maybe our varnished ones, but not our unvarnished ones. True, right. true, Vern, yeah. yeah. Thanks for adding that. Um, this week uh, is the June thirteenth, two 2008 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey. Uh, Vern and I are once again on opposite sides of the planet. And I have to tell you, we do have a few uh, caveats. For example, this is supposed to be for entertainment purposes only. I don't have a lot of confidence in that for today. We're all sleepy and et cetera. And it's, it's Sunday, so apologize we're doing the show late. Uh, but check our website, all our caveats, bios, photographs, etc. www.thevalueguys.com. And uh, with that, I'm going to... I'm, I'm uh, thinking that if you don't have uh, really anything else to do, um, you know, as you know, minimally entertaining as this might be, it might be hugely entertaining on a relative basis. So I wouldn't sell us short. Yeah, well... You know, not... for those of you who have nothing going on, Hey, this is going to be really exciting for you. Uh, not so far, though. And I'm involved, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm switching off, actually. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to be back at the back half of the show. It's a tough week for me. I see a lot of stuff that uh, I know I've talked about before. Avery Dennison, Sherwin-Williams, uh, and then something I haven't talked about, Magellan uh, Midstream Partners. Looks like a LP of uh, oil and gas. But before that, with uh, a lot of ado this week for reasons that will remain unknown. I'd like to introduce from uh, 12,000 miles away, Vern Value. Vern? I, thought it, I really thought it was closer to 13, and thank you for that incredible, really uh, touching introduction. My pleasure, uh, Vern. I, uh, I, I struggled a bit uh, as well with this uh, week's issue because um, there's very much a commodity flavor to anything that might have a multiple that a value guy can talk about, and that's uh, really kind of rules out the wireless networking industry, I think. And yeah. If you've, uh, uh, at those kind of multiples, you probably have to know something about the stories and uh, or of the companies. And as we always warn, uh, we usually know nothing about what we're talking. Uh, the coal industry, those charts are pretty much just straight up and to the right. Um, and then natural gas stuff, I think, you know, for the people that are producing it, they, they, all that looks overbought and... Uh, Anybody that's distributing it or uh, actually uses it, and in the case of a small utility group in this week's issue, you're getting squeezed by costs. So you kind of end up, at least I did, and it sounds like you did as well, uh, uh, focusing on the stocks in the uh, specialty chemical industry where at least you have the ability to add some value. And um, Well, and get I pricing, a, it appears, as well. Uh, well, you hope so, yeah, uh, right. eventually, and I think that's, probably part of the story here. The, the returns have been squeezed by higher input costs, especially related to energy. Uh, even if it's not a direct feedstock, um, oil and gas uh, ends up being, um, you know, the, the cost to produce most of these products 
uh, has a large component of energy costs involved in them. So uh, a lot of pressure on uh, on valuations. And in uh, the case of the two that are, on, uh, I should say, profitability, and in the case of the two that I'm uh, the most interested in that, uh, that kind of fit that uh, profile, there's a apparently a nice exposure to building and construction products, which has also put some pressure on top line um, and, you know, with uh, associated operating leverage in, uh, uh, in these high fixed-cost businesses uh, and could be thought of as uh, candidates as, you know, for early cycle recovery stories. Uh, the first one I've got, okay, I, go I, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's T-R-E-D-E-G-A-R, Tredegar? Tredegar, Tredegar yes. I, yeah, the symbol is T-G. I think I talked about this stock uh, maybe like a year ago or so, and it um, it did pretty well earlier this year, but uh, beat up badly lately. Uh, a little trading, a little over fourteen dollars, about forty five percent below a high of a, uh, almost twenty five dollars achieved in the middle of last year. And at these kind of valuation levels, is trading uh, less than fifty percent of revenue, which according to Value Line, twenty six dollars a share, basically. Uh, and I would point out, I mean, if we're pricing in a recession, uh, it's less than 80% of a multiple of uh, trough sales from the last 10 years for this company. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, it's trading at book value, basically, maybe even a little below, depending on what their trailing 12-month earnings are. Uh, but according to Value Line, has never lost money in the um, 15 years of history that they're showing here. Uh, there's uh, not enough leverage on the balance sheet, and uh, the returns are a little bit low. The, the return on capital here is in the high single-digit, even mid-single, mid-to-high-single-digit kind of range. But they generate a double-digit operating margin, and uh, the balance sheet is overcapitalized. Uh, they probably should buy back as much as a couple hundred million dollars of stock They've been doing some repurchase. Uh, looks like average shares went down by about five million last year. Um, at two hundred uh, two hundred million dollars, would buy another six million or something like that. Uh, Excuse me, Vern. Uh, uh, can I just jump yeah. in for I, what? What? What, uh, what does this company do? Just a question. Oh, I'm sorry. They yeah, make, no, uh, just yeah, they make a, aluminum extrusions mm -hmm. uh, that are used in things like curtain walls, tub and shower doors. Uh, for building and construction markets. And then you make a variety of different plastic films that are used in medical and disposable personal products, such as uh, feminine hygiene products and infant and adult diapers. So it, they've got this 60% uh, of sales and I think probably a much higher proportion of earnings right now that's being generated by something very stable growth business. And then they have this highly cyclical aluminum extrusion business, which is just getting killed by what's been going on in housing. Probably hasn't found a bottom yet. That's why we might be a little bit early here. But, um, you know, a lot of pressure on costs. They're putting through some price increases, and you'd hope to see uh, fundamental demand for these guys bottom out sometime in the next year or so. And I'm looking at, uh, at a stock at $14 that has not traded below 10 in the last 10 years and yet has traded a couple times traded to $25 in the last seven years and had some history prior to that above $30. So uh, I love the risk-reward. I've got an uh, enterprise value of about $550 million because they have, very, they have almost no net debt. So while it's a very stable and secure business, I'd like to see them put some leverage on the balance sheet. 
okay, take advantage of that stable cash flow business. They have, uh, you know, making films for, uh, uh, for personal hygiene products. Right now, priced at around seven times gross cash flow. Um, like I said before, uh, under or about even with book value, less than 50% of uh, revenue. And um, I, at these kind of valuation levels in this kind of a market, I think something has to give here. There's a family that owns about 12% of the stock. Um, I guess, you know, maybe a stabilizing influence ensures uh, shareholders get fair value, but I think they either uh, need to be thinking about levering up their balance sheet or defending themselves against somebody who's going to come after a cash flow at a very attractive multiple. So Tredegar TG. I've got another name I won't spend as much time on with the basic idea of being early, um, but uh, I think it uh, looks just as uh, interesting, if not quite as statistically cheap, this one's called Ferro Corporation, symbol F-O-E. I don't really know anything about this one either. Uh, the value line says they make specialty materials for industrial applications. I notice their operating segments aren't listed in any particular order. I mean, it I've owned this one, Vern. listed Bern. alphabetically. Uh, it says performance okay. coding is the first segment that's mentioned. We'll talk later and that business has it. been hurt by um, uh, residential construction. Yeah. So um, I think there's... Uh, an earnings recovery story here as well. The stock at uh, under 20 bucks is about six times cash flow, less than 10 times trough cash flow. Um, they, I'm sorry, these uh, materials are things like powder coatings, plastic coatings, and polymer additives. Their segments are called performance coatings, electronic materials, glass and color performance materials, polymer additives, and specialty plastics, a whole bunch of engineered materials. They've had some pressure on earnings from a temporary operating problem. Uh, like I say, they have this housing exposure, and yet they're uh, growing rapidly in China, Brazil, and other developing countries. And I can get this one for between seven and eight times enterprise value. And Value Line, with their uh, six times cash flow number, um, growing by, what, about 30% over the next five years, I think is probably uh, underestimating the leverage uh, that the company is putting into their uh, um, into their uh, uh, financial model. They've uh, been ramping up capital spending for the last three years. Value line show them, shows them spending heavily in 08 and 09. And my guess is that in a recovery, you're going to see stronger numbers than the stock's got priced in right now. And it looks like some insiders agree. There's show, they're showing four buyers in the most recent month, March, that value line shows. I've got a 3% yield. So FOE and TG, maybe you do a half a position in each, right? Maybe. Um, and then my uh, third idea is um, international flavors and fragrances. And I think you've talked about this one in the past. That's an old favorite of mine from 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, They've got these offices stock, that though. look like the offices that Darren had in Bewitched. Yeah, sort of this no 50s Swedish well, type of... If you've only seen their domestic uh, headquarters, you might have missed something because international sales are now 72% of sales. Yeah. 2007. This is fragrances, 56%. Flavors, 44. This is the um, the thing that doesn't cost very much that pretty much determines the value of a variety well, of the essence. Um, the essence of a product often yep. is created by them. Per, uh, especially in in uh, uh, perfumes, on the one hand and food and beverage uh, on the other. Well, but, like McDonald's uh, french fries, the taste of that fry uh, very likely comes from IFF or a competitor. It doesn't and, have much to do with the potato, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
so this company generates consistently uh, 20% operating margins, although down a point or two in the last few years. Uh, return on capital in the mid-teens, uh, return on equity running uh, in the 40-50% range uh, currently because we have earnings that are uh, uh, that have recovered strongly in the last three years. They've been buying stock back, so they've been shrinking the uh, uh, the uh, the capital base. This is something that you know we probably ought to be seeing happening elsewhere uh, in the uh, specialty chemical industry. The way I was just talking about before, you have to pay up a little bit here. Ten times cash flow, you do get a two percent yield, uh, although it's less than a market multiple. Um, about 1.3 times revenue, about nine times enterprise value, but at these kind of return metrics, uh, it looks cheap. Uh, they should be able to buy back about $200 million of stock a year. That's about 5 million shares or about 6% of the outstanding right now. So, um, you know, another, uh, another name that uh, has a strong franchise of adding value, really maybe one of the best on this entire That's an outstanding company, issue, no question. Uh, and that you can buy at a discount right now that uh, probably overestimates downside. So IFF, yeah. um, symbol there. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to my, uh, uh, my long-distance, um, you know, partner. Ah, very well. Was that only two stocks, Vern? No, it was three. Wasn't I, had, I might have uh, dozed in there? I'm I had sorry. Tredegar, Faro, thank oh, you for Faro. that. Oh, Faro. No, listen, I've had a long day. Nothing personal. Mm. Just a long day. I mean, even hooking all this stuff up from this tiny room, uh, it takes a lot. It, it, it tasks me. You know what I mean? I know. I know. I appreciate it. I hope everybody else. Well, does. no one does, but uh, you know, we're we're uh, yeah, I guess compul- feel compulsed, uh, compulsive about the show. All right. Well, let me just get right into it. I've got a couple of ideas this week, and two of them I've talked about many times. I'm sure, uh, as Vern was saying, you know, uh, not a lot to choose from this week from a value guy's point of view. A lot of commodities. These specialty chemical guys uh, do add value, and yet they're in a very difficult time on the cost side right now. And we the, we are though we we do have the thesis if you've listened to the show that these guys because they're so important to some type of process uh, more important than is reflected in the percent of the total price that is their product uh, they can get price increases when they need it because their customers have to pay it and we're seeing signs of that you know Dow Chemical just raised prices uh, I think 20 percent a few weeks ago and uh, I think. What, Thursday or Friday, I saw Schweitzer uh, Moudois, the uh, cigarette paper company, raise pricing. You know, they're looking in that same 20% range. Part of this is the dollar being weak, uh, and uh, pricing may be in dollars. They need to raise that. Some costs are in the foreign currency. Um, But in any case, we are seeing that theme play through some of these stocks a little bit. First up this week for me is Avery Dennison, AVY, and the theme here is is that they are really a productivity-enhancing product for their customers. Of course, they sell worldwide uh, manufacture of self-adhesive base materials, um, and a lot of times in manufacturing, their product is chosen instead of having to bolt or screw something together, and in that sense, laying down a coating of uh, an adhesive in some type of assembly line process can be an important uh, productivity enhancer, if not only taking labor out or time out of the manufacturing. 
Uh, they've put is up. Is it your... really bolts that they're replacing? I mean, I don't know, Vern. I thought they what do were you basically think? a converter. Well, they have adhesives that hold things together. Self-adhesive. Yeah, but, I mean, aren't they really, really thin things usually? Uh, you know, a big part of their business is the consumer side of uh, sticky labels and all that. But I guess one of the things I think helps earn their you know above average return is that they are replacing uh, a more involved process to hold two things together in a manufacturing process. Now, I may be exaggerating to say a bolt. You know, when I first looked at this company uh, 20-some-odd years ago, it, it could have been a bolt. Well, I don't want to kid you. I mean, is there anything that, are they still replacing something else? I think so, uh, Vern, because otherwise why would anyone buy buy their product, you know? You know what I mean? In terms of the choice well, but you I'm, have. Are, the, are, the, are there alternatives that are still used? Or I don't believe so, they, no. Have they kind of taken over all the applications they're going to, and now they're just the best at it, you know? This, yeah. No, I think it's else. it's that. But uh, certainly as products get smaller, you know, you're going to need some some additional incremental knowledge of how to stick smaller and smaller things together. So I do think okay. there's ongoing innovation with regard to new product introductions by manufacturers and their ability to uh, enhance productivity or labor costs in such a product. I mean, that's just my opinion, Vern. You know, I don't know. No, that's a fine opinion. What do you think? Do you think that makes any sense? Um, yeah, I think it makes some sense. Okay. But... Well, then, then, then let's just take that and okay. say they are adding some kind of value. They're putting up mid to upper teens returns on capital for a long time. Now, it's under pressure recently, but I think that's because they've taken cost increases and have yet to pass through some of their pricing that we're seeing bubble through the industry a little bit. Maybe it's not hitting them yet and should soon. Uh, on the other hand, their operating margin is hovering right around 13%, which is about as good as it ever gets for them, and a uh, very similar return on capital. So they're turning assets one time, which for a big manufacturer is pretty good. And they don't uh, have really too much leverage. Their return on equity, 18 versus a return on capital of... Uh, 13. Um, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, you know, it's just, the thing I like the most about this thing is it's very stable over long periods of time. It's trading at seven times gross cash flow, 12 times free. To me, that might be flipped around one over 12, 8% cash on cash return. And we had a listener say, what's cash on cash mean? Well, it's the cash I get divided by the cash I have to spend um, and allows you to compare buying a company to perhaps buying a bond or some type of annuity. So if I pay uh, for all the stock and all the debt, um, and then my EBIT or EBITDA becomes my cash. And in this case, we're paying about 12 times that number. I'll flip it around, say that's an 8.5% yield, and Value Line says they're going to grow 9.5%. So in my shortcut, quickie method here, we're not doing any you know, cash flow, uh, discounted cash flow on this show. And, of course, we could be, you know, not paying very careful attention to some of these assumptions. But on my quickie formula, that's going to be about an 18 19% return on capital. Uh, on a P.E. basis, they're trading at 12, and Value Line does give you one. You mean an expected return? What? 
18% expected return? Yeah. yeah, that's your expected return, right? Yes, sir. Yes, it yeah. is. Did I misspeak okay. on that? Just clarifying that oh, for, please. for our well, listeners. Thank you. Uh, but then I'm looking at the P.E. here is 12, and that's a 75%, or Value Line puts up this little number, 0.75. That's a 25% discount from the average P.E. And they give one line here, this average annual P.E. ratio and average annual relative. I mean, they really should show a range because one number is a little bit light to look at his, you know, historical years. But the 75% is below any number on the page. So you might argue that this is some type of low valuation uh, for Avery Dennison. And it's historically been a great uh, quality company. So I like this one, Avery Dennison, AVY, page uh, 462. And that's my first up. Second up. I forgot about page numbers. Yeah, well, no surprise IFS there. IFS is on 470. Right? Uh, we don't, you can't go back now and give page numbers. That's just going to be confusing. It's confusing. It's my segment of the show now. I think I am. You've given up your opportunity to talk. Tredegar is on 486. People are just skipping over your superfluous chatter about page numbers right now. So let me just go on here. Sherwin-Williams. What? I said please do. I can't even hear you with all this gadgetry I have going here. Sherwin-Williams, page 482, ticker sh W. Now, I'm sure I've spoken about this before. Uh, if you pull our XML code into just Internet Explorer, thevalueguys.com slash thevalueguys.xml, it lays out really nicely, and you can type in tickers and look at all the past shows and dial them up. And I know we've done a couple shows on Sherwin-Williams. Uh, the first thing I'm attracted to with Sherwin-Williams is forever, which is about eight or ten years, they've been putting up mid-teens returns on total capital and they're a retailer. I mean, that is awfully uh, impressive in what you might think is a commodity market. And then they lever it just a little bit. They like cash, and so their returns on equity are just only in the upper 20s, low 30s. They could be in the 40s if they wanted them to. Uh, it, it, you know, it's just astounding for a company like this. What do they do? They're North America's largest producer of paints and varnishes. They all also make application equipment, automotive coatings. Uh, they've got 3,300 3, company-operated stores. So wherever you are driving around, you're going to run into one of these stores. Uh, <laughs> That's more than some drugstore chains, I think. Oh, it's, it's it, uh, you know, it is. I forget. How, now, Walgreens has about 6,000, but certainly it's up there. Um, they sell... Under a variety of labels, Sherwin-Williams, of course, also Dutch Boy, Pratt & Lambert. They own some waxes, Minwax, Martin Sonor, which I think you know about. You've mentioned that before. And here's, a, here's something interesting. R&D. What's that? Nothing. Yeah, I just, you faded out. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, Let's see. The other thing I like about this thing is they've got a very stable operating margin, 13%, 14%. And right now, because of the, uh, you know, housing crisis, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're down here. We're selling at 81% of the average P.E., which when I look over history, you know, frankly, uh, isn't super cheap for this company. But... Uh, they've traded as high as 74. The stock is right now 54, and sales per share continue to rise. So I think what we've seen is we've, we've got a, a multiple right now 
that's a pretty attractive entry point for Sherwin-Williams. And one of the other themes here, other than just strong brand putting up great numbers, low-cost producer, is simply that when you paint something, that's cheaper to do than, uh, you know, buy a new home. And, uh, and yet you can add value to your home in some way by doing that. Vern, are you there? I'm right here. Okay. Well, you faded out on my equipment somehow. I'm not uh, picking you up as well. There you well, go. I'm, I got you. I'm, I'm quietly listening to your um, carefully uh, calculated and uh, it's not. choreographed I don't know commentary. if it comes through, but I didn't really have a lot of time this week to prepare. So I'm just trying to go off of some uh, uh, rules of thumb. And then a long history with the company. I talked to management here just a few weeks ago. We're looking at this thing in the shop. Um, and frankly, we're going to wait for a little better price. But the stock's down off the highs. You do get a little yield here, 2.6%. Uh, forever they're buying stock back, so they put their cash to work, you know, in an effective way there. Um, they don't have to spend a lot in R&D, 0.5% of sales. I was trying to make that point. And right now, you know, business is tough. We're looking at a couple of potentially negative quarters, and that's always a tough time for a stock to move ahead. Uh, so we got a couple of those things coming up. I think you're going to have a chance to buy this a little cheaper. But if you just want to step in, buy a teeny position just so it's on your you know, radar uh, so you don't miss it when it goes down more, uh, you don't want to miss this one. If this is the low, buy it right now. But I don't think it is the low. I think you're going to be able to get this thing you know, closer to 50. Um, but well, my... like, but, but like with mine, your, your upside downside is you know, probably three to one or better. I think so. I think these guys, you know, the demographics are still out there of wealthy America, aging America, and these people, which increasingly include Vern and I, um, we're going to, you know, we're going to paint our homes. We're going to live to uh, 80, I think, from our age is how long we're expected to live. And good, you know, house paint lasts 25 years. So we're all going to paint our house a couple of times. Sherwin-Williams is the leader, and it looks like a pretty good entry point. S H W. Go ahead if you like, but I, I, you know, I'm going to hire it out. Okay. Well, I probably will too. Quite frankly. Ah. Uh, let's see. Okay. Last one this week. Magellan. Uh, Magellan Midstream Partners. I don't know anything about this. Not that I knew Great. much about the last couple. <laughs> Great. The last two people yeah. who were listening to the show just logged off. That's fine. Uh, I'll talk to my mom later. You know, what can I tell you? Okay, okay. Um, now, what's this? This thing is a, uh, it's an uh, LP, limited partnership, so I think there's rules about how much money they have to pay out. And the most attractive element about this is the yield, 6.8%. I like that. Yeah, and they're paying out, it appears, you know, 275 in a dividend per share. They earn 303 so there's look and historically they pay out almost all of earnings. So I think there's a rule about paying out 90, 95% of your earnings as a dividend, which is fine. Uh, what they own is an 8,500 mile refined petroleum products pipeline, which is 75% of revenues. And then they own a bunch of terminals, petroleum pipeline terminals, seven marine terminals and 27 inland terminals. And I know these terminals are very valuable. Uh, because, uh, you know, no one's allowing you to build any more of them, at least in the United States, because of all the 
uh, environmental concerns. Meantime, you know, we're all freezing our asses off. I don't think you're allowed to build anything, off. right? What? No. You're not allowed to build anything in the United no, States No, you're not anymore, allowed except to. Except the house, maybe. That's why if you own something, it's going to become increasingly dear and increasingly valuable. And they have all these great terminals that they just don't let people build anymore. And I like that. Um, what else can I tell you here? Uh, the valuation. What's the symbol? Yeah, MMP. Oh, thank you. Uh, but it's, I think I mentioned that. They also no, have, here's something did. interesting. They have an 1,100-mile ammonia pipeline, which if you're a kid and you accidentally pop into that thing, that's going to be a problem. Why? Ammonia. Why, why, why do you need an ammonia pipeline? You know, Value Line doesn't get into that little bit of detail. Ammonia. I don't know here. <laughs> Uh, let me see if where I can... Where does it begin and where does it end? I don't know. There's no map in Value Line. Let me read through here with everyone what's going on. Well, they're on the track to have a good year. Oh, uh, good. They recently raised guidance because, of course, oh, if you're well, transporting sure petroleum... Really priced, you know, it's actually been trading kind of sluggishly for a year and a half, and I'm not sure why. They've got some expansion products go, uh, expansion projects going on, which is good. Uh, I think if you have a terminal, you can sort of add on to it versus if you don't have one, you can't get one. So that's good. And they've got they've got a couple other little pipeline Caution, extensions. we may know nothing about what we're talking I don't know anything about this whatsoever. Yeah, okay. You want to be checking out other those terminals. Well, here's what I have. I've got a 7% yield, 9% earnings growth, oh, and, no, and that's like some it. type of 16% deal. And some of these things are wildly levered. This one's not. It's just 50% debt to cap, and they have uh, – five times coverage on their fixed charges, so that's pretty attractive. What's the CapEx look like? Uh, CapEx, well, they're putting up 470 per share in cash flow, and they're spending uh, uh, about 290 in CapEx. So they've got just under 2 bucks a share in free stock at 40 so that's 20 times, a lot higher than I normally like to pay. But in this case, they're paying it all to me in cash, yeah, and, right. And, and then some. So I'm getting some kind of 5 6% cash yield in my hand, and I don't have to buy the company. Plus, I'm going to get a little bit of growth, which is going to lead to higher dividends over time. So okay. uh, Magellan, uh, Midstream Partners, ticker MMP, and uh, Vern, that is What's your favorite idea? all I have this week. It, this week, it's so easy to pick my favorite. It's Sherwin-Williams SHW. That's the one you told everybody you think is going lower. Right, and that's my favorite. Okay. That's truly a value right. guy, isn't it, Vern? I, yeah, it really is. Thank I like you. that. Um, I'm going to say my favorite will be, uh, I'm going to go with this Tredegar, T, uh, TG. Okay, very okay. good. Thanks and, for listening, uh, we'll everybody. Bye-bye.